0: This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into.
1: Hello, and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. If you garden regularly, you know spending time outside tending your plot makes you feel good. I know personally, when I'm stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, even cheesed off, pottering around outside just helps me feel better. But why? Why? What is it about gardening that boosts our mood, creates positivity? Well, hello, I'm Adam Frost, and today I'm talking to Professor Harriet Gross, author of The Psychology of Gardening, and I'm keen to understand exactly why gardening is so beneficial for our mental health and well-being. Harriet, thank you very much for coming in and and chatting and guiding us through the sort of, in a sense, the power of gardens. Before we get stuck into that, though, can you tell me a little bit about you and, and I suppose, why you've sort of chosen this course?
2: Well, I've been a gardener and my grandma and my mum were gardeners, so partly it's that I'm a gardener. And Mm. as a psychologist, I've always been interested in the things that make people interested. So what people enjoy doing. So although obviously things like emotions and memory and learning and thinking are important, it's also because gardening is so interesting. And when I started 10, 15, 20 years ago, probably now, nobody much was talking about gardening. It wasn't really of interest to people. They thought it was a bit of a sideline, a hobby. Why would people talk about it? But gradually, as I've been doing the research, I've noticed that not only the kind of interest in nature has come to the fore, but also gardening itself. Because up to now, or up to then, I suppose, it was really nature and outdoors rather than doing gardening that was of interest. And that's what really floated my boat. So yeah. why would I do it?
1: Yeah. And and was there a, a lightbulb moment when you were researching? Because I think for me... A bit like you've just said, I I always knew gardening was doing me good. I didn't know necessarily know how or why, but, but it's as I've got older that I've really started to understand it. With you, was there a moment of going, actually, do you know what? This can fix people. This can make a real difference.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think on a personal note, it was that sense of being able to be out in the garden, just on my own, working in the soil, moving stuff around the garden and time stood still so I'd go out in uh, you know for 5 minutes and the rest of the day had passed before I realized and that yeah. sense of being lost in a world was a big light bulb moment for me and I started talking to gardeners people who liked gardening not necessarily professional gardeners yeah. and one of the things they said was things like it keeps me sane i you know i love being out there i love the fact that time changes when you go outside so it's that thing about being in another world that, as a garden, yeah. and and also that it has so many memories for people about their childhood, all of which is happening in their heads when they're gardening, but they don't think about it every day.
1: It's really interesting because obviously this series of podcasts is about you know the power of green, but straight away you've used the word memory, and that's already been talked about instantly. So that sort of idea that, that are they ta- are we are we tapping into to memories of childhood memories or are we creating memories? How does how does that sort of play its part?
2: Well, I think part of it is that to some extent the kind of activity you do in the garden is repeating things that are familiar to you. If you've been doing yeah. gardening or you did gardening as a child or you saw your parents or your grandparents or somebody you knew, on, in their garden, you, you have those memories that you don't necessarily access until you start doing the task or the yeah. activities and you think, oh, I remember this. Um, I wonder what it was like then. And memory is made in the garden because you're creating a new space, a new version of yourself as you do it because you're becoming a gardener while you're gardening if you didn't start yeah. off as a gardener. And that's a new person, a new identity. Yeah.
1: So so in a sense, how do you, I mean, on on a basic level, just think that how do gardens really help people?
2: I think they they provide a place. The first thing is they provide a, a space to go to that isn't the same as being in your house. So if it's your own home garden, you have to step out into it. And when you step out into it, it's still a separate space. It's green, it's got nature in it, it's outdoors, it's away from those routines, and it locks you into a different world, which is the natural world. And the speed and pace of that is completely different. And just seeing greenery, seeing things develop, seeing the pace at which things grow, and yet, while it's incredibly exciting... It's also at a completely different pace than normal life, and especially now that life has become so pressured by traffic and noise and uh, electronic devices and all those things.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, what, the, what you're describing there—do you think that? You know, say we talk about that when we went into lockdown, and and you know they talked about sending up with what three million odd yeah. new gardeners. So, do you think that actually it was that? Connection with the natural world, or was it the fact that you know people were getting their hands in the soil? What, what was it, do you think?
2: I think, particularly because COVID and being in the pandemic was a time of huge uncertainty for people. People felt very uncertain about what was going to happen, they were afraid, yeah. they were having to change their routines. Suddenly, they'd got very restricted lives, and yet, going out in the garden was like a bit of freedom from work or homeschooling or trying to manage. Caring for people and so on, and I think it it is about that change, that space where things are not happening at the same pace. There are routines, there are the same jobs to do, there are things to be done, but also you can just stop, look, listen in mm. the in a space nearby, and you don't need to have a big space. It can be yeah. just the you know a small balcony or or uh, window box a green view having something green to look at which then changes color into something else as you yeah. go along.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because also with with me on a, on a personal level what was it you know I'm talking basically about 18 months ago um the, the wheels came off my life um and I got lots in a room and by the end of it I got diagnosed with you know depression and and sort of burnout and and at that point I was somebody that knew the garden massively as a, as a place to, you know, mm-hmm. fix me, put me back together. But at that point, I didn't want to go in the garden. Mm. Um, it took me a long time to reconnect with the garden. So in in my headspace, why, why would that happen to me? Do you know what I mean? Uh,
2: I think in that case, because I, a lot of people had quite shocking experiences yeah. during COVID, but often yeah. have, you know, family illness, family breakups, all sorts of things that happen disrupt your routines and your expectations of what things can provide. So it can be a shock to the system in terms yeah. of your usual resources are somehow put aside or upset and therefore something that you go to usually as a as a kind of source of comfort yeah. becomes less clear. It's very interesting you say that. I, I personally retired mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and... Yeah. I always found the garden my my place of solace when I was working. But when I stopped working, it it wasn't the same. It didn't have the same role for me. I've had to find a new role for the garden, which is not a break from work. It's a new set of activities and routines. So we have to rebuild our sense of what is important to us as we go through. And those memories may be in the garden that you don't want to confront. And therefore, you perhaps want to step away from it until you can feel strong enough to restate or re- re-encounter those things happening.
1: Which that makes perfect sense because obviously after that point, you had already asked me early on before we came on, you know, how's your new garden going? And and at that point, you know, the big garden that I had felt completely and utterly overwhelming. And and that hopefully to people won't sound disingenuous that that I needed to change things So part of the reason that we moved and, had a smaller garden was that that I could feel more in control mm. of of the space but now because I've done that I feel totally reconnected so what you're saying is I've I've readjusted it to work out where it fits again in my life
2: yeah and also because your garden is a part of you yeah you were working through something about who you were so the gardening identity is is not just about having a sense of being caring for plants, being responsible to the environment, sustainable activity and so on. It's about who you are and how you feel about yourself in relation to that. And of course, that's affected by everything else in your life. So people people do need to kind of reconnect and and. People do talk about being overwhelmed by their gardens at certain points, both when they've got a lot of things on or if suddenly your garden overgrows and you just can't face thinking about how to start it all over again. But moving or having a smaller garden can restart that kind of energy and you can start the planning, the thinking into the future that perhaps seemed a bit remote or distant before because you kind of thought I don't see a future at the minute for who I am.
1: And I think that's where I was. We'd have lots of sort of family, you know, illnesses go on and and yeah, when the moment I hit the wall. It was I did I just couldn't see anything and it become clearer with that recreate a new garden and and balance as well I suppose.
2: I think one of the things that I know that when you talk to allotment gardeners where obviously the allotment isn't in their house. Yeah. Um One of the things they find that's really helpful, particularly kind of from an emotional perspective and emotional well-being, is actually being at a distance. So having somewhere outside the home to go to that is under their control or they can control uh, and and manage and do things, but it's not actually in the place, the same place. So sometimes Mm. home gardens can seem too close to home and an allotment or going out into a public space can have equal benefits that you might not otherwise have anticipated
1: life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one mitt crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour
0: this episode is brought to you by amazon prime you know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.
1: I suppose in the same, like you said, the public, so, you know, community gardens could play yeah, a exactly. huge amount of, it could be a huge amount of benefit for people's mental health.
2: Yeah, community gardens are great. And because walking in gardens, because looking at gardens, even if you're not playing an active role and engaging with nature directly, is still a good way to be restorative, to help increase your kind of brain attention to things and being able to think more clearly. So it's... Uh, it can it can really help to just be out there in that environment, yeah. even if you're not an active participant.
1: Yeah, wow. And and in that sense, about being out there, is there a? This is a bizarre question. I think in a way, even when I'm before I'm saying it, I'm thinking it is. But do you think that there's a period of time you need to be out there? And I'm saying that because I I think sometimes with me, I don't know, maybe you know they're all driving me a little bit mad outdoors, work's on top of me, this, that, the other. I go out, I think I'm going to feel better. Still after 20 minutes, I don't feel great. And, you know, two hours later, I don't feel great. And I have to be out there four hours and then it starts to work. Other times I can go and water the greenhouse, think about my tidy nan watering a greenhouse. The world's a better place. So do you think there's an average time? Is there a...
2: I don't know. Well, the evidence is quite mixed, really. So there's just been a study uh, reported by um, Alistair Griffiths and his colleagues at the Royal Horticultural Society, which suggests that the more time, the more frequently you do your gardening, the more satisfied you are with your garden. But that's not quite the same. And it's also the more you feel emotionally supported or it provides you with that emotional support but equally in terms of the restorative value of outdoors even a short burst of being outdoors can be enough mm-hmm. so sometimes i think uh what we know about how long we might need to be there is dependent on a number of other factors because people talk about being able to switch off and not think about anything yeah. and sometimes if you're in a, it takes a while to unwind from that sense of being sc- aggravated or tense yeah. about things, and the the effect of being in the garden, to, which reduces the stress level, which reduces stress hormones, may be slow to kick in if there's too much going on in yeah. your head, if you like. Yeah. But sometimes it can be easier to get that switch to to turn, yeah. so you can go and do the watering, or you can go and just. Notice that my morning glory has got fifty plus blooms on it today. Have yeah. a moment of like, yay! And then move on.
1: Move on, yeah. yeah. And you're right. And the, the, the sort of the idea of memories and moments come up a, a lot about when you're talking about people about the power of gardens and and sort of. I think uh, looking at it like that, saying, well, actually, I can go out and do this. Would it would it be helpful if that I was feeling really down, maybe just to go out and with the secateurs in my hand and and do a bit of pruning that maybe was not necessarily wild but a little bit more technical so I have to think or
2: yeah i think that yeah. is i think sometimes you need some of the things that are the benefits of being out there which are sometimes called fascination where you get let the garden draw you in yeah. to what it needs and wants rather than you going out there with your your kind of head on if you mm-hmm. like but if you think the garden is pulling you out there because you're thinking, oh, I really ought to do something and I don't really want to know what to do. But if you can get stuck into a task, if you can really, in the, sometimes it's called mindfulness, but in other yeah. cases, it's called flow, a sense of being in that moment with that bush, that yeah, flower, yeah, yeah. that whatever it happens to be. And you just get there with the secateurs and you go, right, and then... It's that sense of having gone out. Nobody can tell what you've done necessarily, yeah. but you've just had a moment where you've achieved something. And you've, even if it's only just half the bush is cut back a bit, you, know, yeah. you feel better about that. And then you can let the other things flow back in. It's
1: interesting because I've gone straight back to my nan again, actually, and <laughs> thought about is it really that, that process of, you know, she used to say, busy hands, busy hands, you know, and, and get you out and get you sort of working she always used to say, would stop you worrying and...
2: Well, I, one of the concerns, particularly in depression um, and anxiety, is rumination, where you kind of let things just go round and round in your head yeah. and you you can't get out of that loop. Yeah. And if you, if you get involved in a task that you find gives you solace of various kinds, even if it allows you just to think about your nan or think about your nan's garden or whatever it happens to be, then you've got a focus that you can move into. And the f- the other things that you've been thinking about can get into the background. The perspective can return. So you're using a kind of physical way to get a psychological freedom. Um, yeah. So keeping busy can be a distraction and it can be something that you're trying to do to stop yourself thinking. But actually the garden is a good place to escape, to think about nothing and to let the plants tell you what they need and then you're in another world and there. Their needs their their offering their opportunities give you something to do yeah and and do you think that that
1: any of that matters what age you are because I, I mean I'm thinking of sort of you know my a couple of my kids have had you know mental health worries this that the other like a lot of people through the last couple of years as well is that but actually you know they're not necessarily want to engage in the garden or or is it Is it going to be as easy, I suppose, to get them to use it and benefit from it as it is to someone that's in their 40s, in their 50s, that's got a little bit more life behind them? What what would you sort of say on that?
2: I I think traditionally the research has shown, you know, that the kind of the, the, the maximum age for gardening is kind of 35 plus. And of course, that's associated with stuff like having home ownership, having a place which has got a garden. And increasingly, of course, we're in a time when young people are not getting their own homes necessarily because costs are high and so on. So more people are living in situations where they don't have access to a garden as young people. But I think young people have increasingly taken up gardening Starting, I think, with indoor plants, yeah. where they can liter- they can be able to have them, yeah. um, and that that benefit will will come. Uh, it isn't there in the first place. I yeah. think it's something that's an attraction and it's part of feeling like a grown up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that young people when I've talked to them about, you know, what do they think about gardens? And they say, well, you know, I think about gardens as a place to sit when I'm doing my revision or I think about the garden as somewhere to be with my friends. And so there's a transition. And because, as you say, as increasingly there are issues with mental health for everybody at different times, there is evidence suggesting that even doing work on your laptop outside is slightly more b- b- psychologically is, beneficial yeah. than doing it inside. So, you know, just starting that process of feeling the outside is not just something to pass through but is to look at, is to see how it's functioning. And I think it is harder for young people when they're in restricted accommodation mm-hmm. not to be able to use that. But I think, you know, if they're living at home, then getting out in the garden can be a good win. Absolutely. Of course, lots and lots of young people are uh, yeah. are starting to garden. They I, are
1: a new... Kind of exactly, yeah. I mean, and, and we've gained that out the last couple of years. But as me thinking, actually, the first thing i want to do when I get home is move the 15 year old's PlayStation outside. <laughs> you know, just see, it might be a starting point. He might look at what's going on around him. You know, but you know, that's what you're saying in a way, aren't you? It, it you, is
2: about noticing, I think. Yeah. And I think the thing about gardening, as opposed to all the things that you can do that are beneficial, like exercise in the outdoors, yeah. is that it's about noticing the outdoors. And that's the significant thing about this kind of quick um, moments outdoors is if you can lock into a bird singing on a tree or the clouds passing, something like that, which sort of comes in that sense of mindfulness, is that will give you that boost, that that kind of bump that makes you think, oh, yeah, I feel a bit better now. I can kind of go back in and Confront the exam question or whatever it happens yeah. to be,
1: and how do we i suppose connect people with the thought does that hopefully <laughs> that makes sense because I think sometimes, even with me, I go out and I'm in the space, and let's say i've you know in a way I've been doing it for years and I, I know how it works, but it's that idea of of how does that thought really change how you feel? Does that make sense?
2: It's a sort of chicken and egg thing, which is yeah. that, you know, the behaviour creates the thought and the thought prompts the behaviour. So yeah. I suppose things like social prescribing, this idea that you, that you're, you might go to your GP and say, yeah. I'm feeling a bit low, and they suggest that you might be able to join a gardening group or something yeah. like that might be a starting point. Um, I think that sense of sharing with other people would also be part of that way of getting those thoughts. So being with people for whom it is having an effect so they can see it amongst them, their own age group or people who are feeling like them. I think it's that sense of not having to kind of generate it on their own, but in company or in in settings where other people are finding the benefits. I know um, talking to somebody whose uh, church was running a Um, gardening support group that for people who often didn't come out of their houses or their flats because they were feeling depressed and couldn't make the effort, Mm. tending a plant in a pot gave them something sufficiently important to do to motivate them to come out of their flat even though they were feeling under the the weather, not wanting to confront people. Plants don't... I mean, they might fight back in some ways, but they don't answer back. Yeah. So going out, watering a plant, watching it benefit from your tender care, and then seeing how that makes you feel—a sense of achievement, a sense of caring, and making yourself feel better—it's a bit like taking exercise outside. That yeah. you just feel better about yourself if you can do something like that, and then that becomes a loop, which will then be self-fulfilling. It's
1: that first step, ultimately, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and and maybe the idea that 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 you have you gain responsibility of looking after something? Is that yeah. sort of part of it? Yeah,
2: but also in the process of doing that, and a lot of... Um, I used to be on the board of a um, community gardening charity and we had a lot of different groups of people coming in, yeah. some with mental health um, problems, some people returning to work after being in prison and so on. And what they found was being given responsibility but not in a confrontational way where you can do it in, alongside other people without having to talk about it, which actually makes it easier to talk and therefore getting additional social benefits. So all the information about uh, horticultural interventions yeah. and therapeutic interventions is that a lot of it is the social, the real yeah. social opportunities that it provides, but it's fundamentally based in doing the gardening. Yeah because it's not a place where you're working face-to-face, you're working alongside other people doing part of a task.
1: Yeah, and you can see that even in allotments, can't you? Yeah. You, know, you can see there's a social benefit as yeah. as much as there and, is a... And if physical. you feel
2: happier yeah. when you're and you feel that you've been able to be accepted, whoever you are, whatever your problems might be, then that gives you a greater sense of self-worth and self-value so you can make a bit more of a contribution... Progressively,
1: yeah, and and I suppose I mean I I, you know my family as well have experienced a lot of mental health problems over the years and and um, my wife won't mind me saying this but um, I've helped her through some difficult times she has me but there was plenty of times when I was trying to engage her in an activity outside whereas actually all she wanted to do was stay in bed and I don't think she liked me very much at that particular point in time for, for dragging her outside. She she talks about it a lot more now. Um how do you you know, what's the right way of taking that first step if you've got somebody around you that you know is is struggling? how would you sort of guide them out into the garden without them trying to sort of, you know, as Mrs Frost would say, trying to want to kill me rather than <laughs> well, just wanting me to go away? But how, what would be the first, you know the ideal first step to, to introduce somebody to the power of it, I suppose?
2: I think that what's important is to remember that when you're being a gardener in your garden, yeah. you're always doing something. Yeah. So it can feel quite... Threat, not threatening, but it can feel quite demanding. Yeah. So I suppose one of the ways that you can get gain the benefits of gardening, but of, of gardens, is to sit and look and yeah. start the process by just getting out there and sitting with your cup of tea for a change. So, if you like, the, the first step is to say, "Come and have a cup of tea with me. Let's sit down and just look at this kind of thing. Have you seen what's yeah. happening here?" Rather than Let's get some action going because yeah. that, that's quite demanding if people are feeling really, really unable yeah. to make that first move out of bed. The alternative, you know, out of their rooms is to bring something to them and say, "What well, you know, I'm just going to leave this with you. Pictures, things like that, because yeah. those can, people can look under their own steam. It is a kind of you need to give people the sense that they're making a choice and not that they're being told that this would be a good idea i mean i know you know home relationships are often a feeling of it would be better if you did this and
1: and you know it's like i mean i think you know if you've got somebody you love around you you especially when it comes to mental health we we can't see a lot of it but you want to fix the problem and and it's then that builds a frustration because you can't fix the problem but so actually in a weird way take somebody outside sit with them but then maybe you could garden and they could watch yeah. you garden for a period of time and maybe that would start
2: yeah. a conversation. And, yeah, then you've got something to talk about, like why are you doing that? What yeah. does that mean? And then, you know, then if there's something that comes from it, it's like, and here we've got this, or what you're planning. So rather than just doing it, maybe talking about what you're going to plan for next year. So if you go, especially in the winter, obviously, sitting in the garden isn't such great fun. Yeah. So what what do you do then? You look at what you might like. What's her favorite flower? Things like yeah. that. I mean, I'm obviously not Mrs. Frost, I'm yeah, <laughs> no, no,
1: but, but no, it's, I mean, it's you know, I'm definitely using all of these podcasts for you know personal <laughs> therapy. So um, any advice is good. but yeah.
2: Uh, but yeah, I think it 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 is small steps. It is bringing things on, giving people a sense of their what the what they feel able to do, and what can help them. But of course, the other thing is that this may, it may not be that that's the answer for them. Yeah. For many other people, what they need is a more active kind of nature rushing past them in that yeah. sense of the bigger picture. But that can also be alarming if you're feeling overwhelmed, overwhelmed. by what's happening in your life. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. um, it is about finding the space where they feel
1: comfortable. And, we you know, that t- taps into sort of depression and things like that we're talking about. But what about, I mean, especially, uh, you know, parents of my age have had kids going through what they've gone through over the last few years, that, you know, anxiety in in youngsters, it seems to have gone through the roof. Um, that sort of approach, how would we just get a youngster out there and just slowly, slowly engage them? Different approach or the same or...?
2: I think slightly different approach yeah. because, you know, there is a sense in which gardening is still perceived at, and gardens are perceived as kind of, well, let's put it as a mature person's <laughs> interest. For I mean, old
1: people is what you really mean not far. to say
2: old people, <laughs> but um, older okay. people, shall nope. we say, older people. I mean, if you look at the number of people nope. going round gardens that are on yeah. show, you know, typically. Yeah. The, the kids are running riot or just running around in the space, and every and everybody else is
1: older. Don't you worry? I know exactly what you mean. My, my younger two tease me constantly yeah. about yeah, yeah but and, dad, but yeah, dad, dad yeah. yeah.
2: So you know, it is a dad thing yeah. rather than an us thing. But yeah. I think, but you can, but I think that's a, something that needs to be thought about in terms of what do they enjoy doing? Have, do yeah. they do walks in? So, it might not be they enjoy walking in the garden, but could you go out as a family for a walk to woods or by the sea or, you know, blue and green is as important. So, yeah. it might be that water is more attractive and then through that, you know, something else comes. Um, you know, The most popular sport is angling. Um, yeah. And I notice a lot of those people are men, um, yeah. by chance, yeah. but... You're sitting out there, outside, yeah. watching the river, watching the canal, watching the lake, whatever it happens to be. That's a time of peacefulness outside. Mm. I think it's, it, you have to find a thing that works. But to some extent, I think that young people, it's not a state. It's like when you look out of car windows when you're driving along. Yeah. You know, you point out these ex- interesting things. Your children just go, yeah, What? And it's only when they get to a point in their own lives and their own sense of themselves in the world that they see the bigger picture, that they see the interest in nature. So they're getting into their 20s before that becomes, you know, when you say, look at that fabulous view and they go, so, you know, and it's just not interesting. And then they turn around to you and say, oh, I get it now. So I think it is... It's yeah. a kind of developmental process.
1: So, so what you're saying in a way is is that we could use that outside space just to sort of give our kids tools for later on in yeah, life. Yeah, really. absolutely.
2: That giving yeah. them tools is what they need, particularly helps them build resilience. So if you can help them see that these things are a good, you know, are calming, and we know that from the scientific literature, that... The, the benefits of nature and also caring for nature. You know, the, our young people are incredibly concerned about the climate and environment. So that's another way into yeah. thinking about how we look after the planet.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a... We can have that conversation a lot more with our younger two around the dinner table, that importance. And it seemed to me, the difference for me going to school and looking at geography and history, history seemed to be, you know, the one that was really important actually, whereas... Geography was the one that was looked down upon a little bit, whereas actually that seems to have counterbalanced itself now and the kids will come home a lot more and talk about the geography of the world. So that's another way in, I suppose.
2: Yeah, and the importance of environmental awareness and and sustainable uh, behaviours and sustainable processes for producing, you know, whether it's organic food and veg or whether it's farming or whether it's, you know, minimising rain loss and all those things if they can be interested in that from a perspective of the future, which is hard when you're a young person because the future seems pretty Difficult to imagine, you know. I think I seem to remember that I thought I would be dead by the time I was thirty. Yeah, yeah. Because because it was so old. Yeah. Uh, and now that I'm well past that, I realise I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely was sort of every year after a certain age became a bonus. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I suppose we we'll flip that the other end from the youngsters to I don't know someone that's at home, a grandparent, you know, lonely maybe sort of less physical, can't do as much in their garden. I've had plenty of people talk to me over the years, you know, I can't do what I used to do. It's frustrating. It gets me down. How can we sort of help, you know, those people, I suppose, with, with you know, getting, so they can still get those benefits yeah. from their space?
2: I, well, I mean, if you're in a very fortunate position, you can sometimes get someone to come round and help you. But yeah. some of those people like can help you are your grandkids. Yeah. So my mum, Uh, in her 90s, her grandson comes and helps her cut bits down in the garden. So she can still have her garden and do it, but she can't do more than, you know, the little snipping um, rather than the big, you know, strategic (laughs) cutting back. Um, So you can involve... And grandparents can often be much more effective at engaging with young people than that intergenerational link is often interesting rather than being a parent because parents, as you know, are just like, you know. Yeah, so.
1: well, and you're right, aren't you? And I think we did, you know, so that idea of gluing you know, the grandparents with with the grandkids but using the garden to do it seems...
2: That, that can be quite you know, a successful yeah. means and also it then builds a new memory that we were talking about yeah. right at the beginning, which is that you can have the memories of doing that with your grandma or with your uncle yeah. or whoever and that makes your plans for the future. Oh, this is what she used to do. It's then you're still talking about your nan. I am
1: tiny nan and scruffy nan get talked <laughs> about quite a lot, you know. And and because for me though, uh, that point in time I realised later on in life is because that made gardens a safe place hmm. for me um, because of you know my childhood really. But but actually, yeah, they they're with me all the time which is yeah
2: and I think that that is a really interesting thing that those people are with you so my Alcamilla Mollis uh, is my grandfather in my garden because he used to just love the name of it and I hear him saying it when I'm going past my Alcamilla on the uh, on the patio you know so those people are with you and that's why gardens can mean so much to people but also why it can be stressful when they don't Work or when they can't work in them because you feel that you're letting people down, yeah. not just yourself and the people who rely on you, like your direct family or care, people that you're caring for. Um, but you're also you've got that history that you've kind of accountable for the fact that you've chosen, you know, yeah. to get your granddad in your in your in your garden.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating, isn't it? As to how you, so what you're doing as well, really, you're you're tapping into. Positive personal memories, yeah. To sort and, of help and you're you. also
2: tapping into physical memories. So people have said to me that when they're doing digging in their sixties, they can just be back being fifteen
1: yeah.
2: in um, a factory when they were doing a, a job for somebody. You know, and that they're it's also your younger self in that garden or in that space that you're thinking of. So it's you and your nan. Yeah. So that's why it has been a safe space for you. Yeah. Since then, and why it was quite a disruption when you couldn't get that,
1: yeah, I back. Think, yeah, you're totally right. I, you know, I was I was going into the garden and looking around and just seeing these lists of jobs and yeah. and you know and and thinking gardeners, as well, film crew are going to turn up and you know <laughs> and the whole world's going to come to an end. You know, and I'm going to let the nation down. So that's what you're. I don't want people to see it like this. So yeah,
2: well, it's very interesting. People talk very much as people get older. They talk about tidiness yeah. and gardens being not tidy as an indicator of somehow their inability to keep themselves, their, their identity together, as it were. So if your garden isn't tidy, then somehow you yourself are kind of unravelling. That's not necessarily true, of course. It may just be that physically you don't have the ability, but it is a worry and an anxiety that older people have and that it's one of the things that prompts people to move because they can't keep the garden tidy, because that's an indication that they've somehow let things go and aren't trying, yeah. so that's an anxiety for people as they get older when we talk about older gardeners
1: and you're right because I you know I was lucky enough to train um with a fellow Jeff Hamilton many many years mm. ago, a lot of people know and and Jeff really talked about peat free organics, but it was always about gardening with wildlife in mind, so I've always done that, and now I talk a lot about backing off, letting wildness in, you know, it doesn't have Mm. to be tailored, you don't have to cut the lawn, you don't. Well, those conversations are an awful lot easier with younger people Mm. than they are with older generation. They're looking at me as if to say, now he's gone mad because he's telling us what? Not just to cut the lawn. Or, So you're right, that's what you're explaining, aren't you, is that difference in... The ages, and as we get older, we we I suppose we build up baggage, do we?
2: Yeah, I think it's that, but also there's a sense about what ageing means to people that the, that the that the anxieties about ageing are that you're not going to be able to do things, and your garden is like a visible. You can keep the house, and you can get you know you can get your daughter to come in, and you know maybe, or your son to come in and help you do jobs in the house, yeah. or the neighbour will come and do something. But can you get someone to help you with your garden? That's another step. And is that a sign? I know certainly when we've talked to people who moved into sheltered housing, one of the reasons that prompted them was that they couldn't manage their own gardens anymore. But it was a huge wrench to leave the garden because they were attached to the garden because of all those memories and all the things that they meant, those gardens meant to them. Um, but at the same time, they were relieved not to yeah. have to be accountable for the tidiness of the garden and that it, that, that was one less thing to have to worry
1: about. Yeah. But the way you're explaining it to me, though, as well, actually, if we we take that jump, we, we put everything you know in the right places so we feel more at ease. We've still got the garden with us, really, because we can tap into the memories of those gardens. Yeah, and that's yeah. right. We
2: have pictures. We can show people what we did, and those gardens will still happen. I think what's very distressing for people is when, when, when people take over a house or a garden or even or allotments in particular, they often raise to the ground what was there before because yeah. they want to start again because they want to put themselves in the garden. They yeah. don't want all those memories that belong to someone else. So uh, that kind of challenge, you know, when you see new gardens all laid out by somebody else, it's like, oh, right, okay, And uh, then you've got to start again with the memories.
1: Yeah, which the more you're talking about it, it's sort of... should make us a bit more mindful when we take over somebody else's space that actually there's memories that maybe we can tap into before we slash and burn, as to say, and we can use those memories to start to add to ours, in a way.
2: Potentially, I think. But I think you have to give people... These are people's own ways of doing things. Yeah. And they may manage those things quite differently. They may be at a different stage of their life where those things are not as important to them, that they're focused more on having a space for children to play mm-hmm. in than a space for ornamental plants or vegetables yeah. or whatever it happens to be. And they they haven't got the space in their head yet for that kind of element. But because it offers creative, you know, it offers like really great creative space, gardening, and they, a lot of people talk about the value of that and the opportunity for learning, a huge new set of things that you can learn that you didn't yeah. know about before. And I think a lot of those who've taken it up s- since COVID have been uh, really excited by what you can do with the yeah. garden, but at the same time being nervous about you know getting it right. And I, I think we've got to make sure that people feel that whatever they do is Right for them. Yeah,
1: I I, I totally agree with you. I I think sometimes we worry. You've just described it in a way is that we worry about it being viewed from the outside if we're not tidy, if we're not this, then, you know, we've let something down, i.e. ourselves. But actually, in reality, you know, in my head, what Mavis thinks four doors up is completely and utterly irrelevant. As long as you come down in the morning, you flip the kettle on and that little space outside your door puts a smile on, then that's a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. of course,
2: back gardens are different from front gardens, yeah. and front gardens are often very tidy, and yeah. back gardens may not be.
1: It's interesting because I've I've obviously changed the whole of my new front garden into a veg garden, and the amount of people have gone, "What you've just turned the front garden into a veg garden?" I said, "Well, yeah, it's really good sized <laughs> space, and 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 actually that idea as well. I think that it, sometimes that that sort of idea of community. In, I've been in the yeah. front garden." The fellow next door has been in his front garden. We've had more conversations in the front gardens than we ever had in the back. And I can remember my nan tending their front gardens and, you know, sweeping the step and having conversations with the lady next door.
2: And that's one of the things coming back to your point about um, loneliness and older people being lonely. Being in the front garden, if there's something uh, to do in the front garden, is a place where you can be visible. You can talk to your neighbours. We've got very nervous. People have got nervous about talking to their neighbours. But if you can talk about the, again the garden or something about the garden, or somebody can ask you a question about how you grow this vegetable yeah. um, in your front garden, then you've got a point of contact. You've got some way of yeah. of making contact with somebody that you wouldn't necessarily have. If a dog comes, somebody with a dog goes yeah. past, and the dog's sniffing your plants, you can talk about that. Or so you talk about. You've immediately got a place to be that's yours, so you feel secure. But you can. You can talk to somebody going past, which you can't necessarily do and feel anxious about.
1: No, and and the moment you go in the back, it becomes enclosed and, all right, your space, but actually disconnected from. And, of
2: course, I don't know whether that's – I mean, there isn't, uh, as far as I know, the issue about being flats with balconies – I don't know how much communication there is between balconies it depends on. Yeah. Um, we noticed in covid that people did start coming out onto their balconies at the same time and singing and things like that but especially in Italy. But um yeah. whether that's an area of, of kind of community that that you don't get, you get very atomized existences which is not Great if you haven't got a, an outdoor space of your own. Yeah,
1: it's fascinating, isn't it? It That's is fascinating. That sort of idea of just putting your hands in soil. I think for me as well, it's it's not just here; it's it's world over that it can carry that power.
2: Absolutely, all the research, there's research on this and the value of gardening round the world: China, Malaysia, New Zealand, South America. All the research shows that people benefit from gardening and getting into the garden, being able to garden, whether that's being able to, if they are displaced, whether they can bring things, grow things that they used to grow in the place where they used to live, which is very important to people, or whether it's making a new space or being a community where you can share food that you are fond of or that you like or that's specific to your culture and so on. All the way around the world, um, everybody... It's keen to get the benefits yeah. from gardening.
1: It's all about building a memory base of the positivities and then the positive, I suppose, and then tapping in, being able to t- have the ability to tap into that positive.
2: Yeah, being able to tap in, but also surprising people by how yeah. effective it can be, I think, yeah. too. So giving people who really are suffering with mental health issues the opportunity to just go to community spaces, community gardens, and just... just be in the space and get the, the, the buzz that you get from just seeing very small things growing into very big things miraculously. I, I think it just is life affirming, Did actively you know, engaging with a life, alive things without actually having to speak to them.
1: But interestingly, <laughs> you said that to me, you smiled and then I instantly smiled. So it's that as well, isn't yeah. it? It's that you're telling me a story, I'm reacting to the story. And I feel happier and I feel a little wiser oh,
2: well, than that. I
1: did when we started. I wish you'd met me about 20 years ago, but, you know, there well. you go. I mean, I, I, that's been absolutely fascinating. And I think for, for people at home, just that idea of what we can personally get out of it, but maybe we can help a friend, a partner, you know, a, a grandkid, you know, whatever. I think that's fantastic. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, what did you think about that one? It definitely got me thinking. I think during a conversation with Harriet, there was a moment when I was talking to her about why is it, when I was at the old house and had my lowest moment, why I didn't want to be in the garden, and that understanding of the rhythm of my life, being upset by obviously being mentally unwell, it fascinated me. And she was so right because when we moved and we've come back to a smaller garden that I feel, that I cannot not control, but I feel safe in, it doesn't feel overwhelming, I've proper got my mojo back, you know, and um, yeah, incredible when you really start thinking about it. And that power that little space outside your back door. So obviously, what I did again is went back to Harriet and said, you know, what are the simple things we could do? Just give us three things that ultimately we could do just to raise that mood, to ease the stress levels. And straight away, she said, just spend a few minutes outdoors in green space. I mean, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? And I had times when I'm getting wound up And I'm out in the garden and even after the first 10 minutes, I still don't feel that good. 20 minutes still don't feel that good. Actually, if I persevere, eventually it starts to feel good. I go out there, read a book. I mean, I was out there over the weekend. I took the veggies. I was prepping Sunday lunch. I took the veggies out in the garden. It was cold, but it was bright. And I peeled the potatoes, the swede. I prepped the greens, sat with my coat on, and I could feel myself smiling inside. So even that, you know, go out, prep the veggies in the garden. You can see you all now, aren't you? Prepping that Sunday lunch in the middle of a cold Sunday, but smiling away. What else could you do? Be fascinated. Every time you go outside, try and connect with nature. And that for me round here can be a red kite flying in the sky. We happen to have peregrine falcons that come into to our local town. So even I can go into the shops on a Saturday morning and stand and watch these birds, but that might just be cobwebs. It might be a spider. It might be a little robin coming in and doing what robins do. It might be the sound of a wren battering away. Whatever it is, but make sure you're not just looking at that beauty. See if you can engage with some wildlife. And I'm sure that will help, I suppose, the perspective of life, how we are just a part of a much bigger thing and balance that well-being. Lastly, focus on routine. And I suppose I do this without knowing I run quite a lot. That routine of of running outside, um, I'm at that time emptying my mind. But that can be done in the garden. You know, we've all got concerns, we've all got worries. But while you're doing your general routines in the garden, and maybe that's a little bit of raking leaves off the lawn, tidying a border, a bit of cutting back, a bit of mulching, you know, washing some pots, cleaning out the greenhouse, it just gives you space to mull things over. And that's what ultimately we need is just a little bit of time. And then hopefully everything in your head just starts to make a little bit more sense. So I suppose the long and short of it is, is make time for yourself. And as I've been told by a head doctor (laughs) over the last 18 months, be kind to yourself. So there you go. Be kind to yourselves and look after yourselves. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.